would have your way in his house tonight. Lord, there's people here tonight that never encountered you. Lord, there's people here tonight they've only encountered religion. Father, tonight, let the same fire that fell upon me in January of 1990, let that same fire that fell upon the 120, 2,000 years ago, as Jesus said to tarry and wait for him. Lord, they never knew what was going to happen. But suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they, the 120 were sitting. And Father, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with the other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Lord, there was a noise that day, the birth of the church. Lord, that day is today. Lord, we are the same church. Nothing has changed. And Lord, I ask you tonight that that same fire that fell in the upper room, that same fire that fell upon me, let that same fire fall in this house tonight. And Lord, may not one person leave here as they've come. May there be an increase that takes place in the here tonight. May there be an impartation that takes place in those that are here tonight. And Lord, I thank you that you go where the knife of man can never go. And that every individual here tonight see you. And have a face-to-face -face meeting with you. For we've not come to just hear a sermon. We've not come to hear a man, but we've came for one reason, Father, tonight. We're so hungry for you. Lord, we're so thirsty for you. And you said if we'd seek you, we'd find you. Lord, you said that if we would call upon you, you would hear us, you would answer us, and you'd show great and mighty things that you know not. Have your way in this house tonight, and I thank you that you'll be glorified. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Whew. Yeah. It would be very easy tonight to step right on over, and we will, but some things we must say. But I want to tell you something tonight about a testimony. I could actually... <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I have to, I have to, I have to, to fight because here's the thing that you have to understand about a testimony. First off, every single one of you here have a testimony. And the problem with too many in the church is they've yielded to the enemy and, and they don't tell their testimony. But your testimony is very important. Your, your testimony has everything to do with other people being set free and being delivered. But it also ha has something to do with you that God does in you because the Bible says that we overcome how by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony see understand something about a testimony here's the power of a testimony a testimony is living a testimony is alive meaning every time you go to share it you relive it and that's really what happened with me I mean I, I could I could I could I
Every time I begin to even try, even however, that was 1990, whatever, almost, however, almost 30 years now. And every time I go to share it, it still happens. But it not just happens with me, it begins to happen with people in the congregation. Why? Because the testimony is alive. And one thing, it's the sad thing about many in the church world today is that many in the church world, they're familiar with hype and they're familiar with entertainment, but they're not familiar with his presence. They're familiar with gimmicks and they're familiar with programs. They're familiar with, they're familiar with emotions, but they're not familiar with the very glory of God. Understand something, we are the church of the living God. And one thing that we should not be a stranger to is the supernatural. But unfortunately, in the church world today, there's very little emphasis placed on the Holy Ghost. There's very little emphasis placed on the, on the supernatural and even less emphasis placed on the fire of God. Understand something tonight. No sermon has ever shaken a nation. I'll say it again. No sermon has ever shaken a nation. What has shaken the nations of the world, what has changed the very course of generations as you study church history, is the outpouring of the glory of God. Now, don't, don't take what I say and, 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 and to think that I'm, that I'm against sermon. Understand something. Listen, thank God for the Word of God. The Word of God has to go forth. The Word of God has to be proclaimed. Signs and wonders follow the Word. Understand something. Everything we do has to be established in the Word. Everything. Every belief that you have has to be established in the Word. I'm not, I'm, I'm not taken away from the Word when I make that statement. But what I am saying, the Word by itself, a sermon by itself, is not the Bible way to shake nations. There has to be an outpouring of the glory of God. Because let me tell you something. The disciples, they had sermons. But yet, even the Lord said to them, that's not enough. What do you mean they had sermons? They were with Jesus for three and a half years. Trust me, the disciples, the 12 disciples, they saw more than we'll ever see. They witnessed more than we'll ever witness. They were with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Understand something. They were with Him daily. They did not leave the King of Glory. They need the very one, listen, the one who has no beginning, the one who has no end, the very one who with His breath, the Bible says in Psalms 33, the Bible says with His breath, He created the stars, He created the galaxies. Not only did He create the stars, the Bible says He named each star understand they were with him for three and a half years but yet even Jesus said that's not enough you have to go and you have to wait for the promise of the father they had sermons they can tell you things that Jesus proclaimed they could tell you what Jesus preached but yet that was not enough they themselves had to have an encounter with God And so yet we have come to the place today to where many 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 churches across America 
this pulpit has become nothing more than a motivational pulpit to where life coaching takes place. As I said last night, I'm not a life coach and I'm not a motivational speaker. I don't even believe in that. It's awful quiet in this room, but so be it. Because first off, motivational teachers, they get you to focus in on you. They get you to focus in on what you can do. It's not about who you are. It's about who you are in Him. It's not about what you can do. It's about what you do through Him. The focus is never on us. The focus is always on Him. And the reality is, you can't do anything you want to do. If you're here tonight and you say, I can do what I want to do, then you do not have a heart that serves God. Because the heart, the heart that serves God does not say, I can do what I want to do. The heart that serves God, the heart that's totally committed and totally yielded to and totally sold out to Him, it's nothing about what we want to do. It's what everything about what He wants us to do. I want to read a couple quotes to you. William Booth said this. He said, The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. And yet I can take you to institutions today. I can take you to seminaries today. To be honest with you, they've just become cemeteries. Denominations have become abominations. Because I can tell you that every single, every single denomination in America, including the Baptists, every, including the Presbyterians, including the Methodists, including the, the, including the Charismatics, come on, including every major denomination, understand something. Our birth, our beginning, was in the fires of revival. And yet I can take you to some denominations today and they can't even tell you the last time they saw a miracle. They can't even tell you the last time somebody got saved. They, they cannot tell you the last time the glory of God came in and the fire of God began to fall. And then they use terms like early church. I, can't, I hate that term early church. Because oftentimes when that term is used, it's used as though there's two different churches. There was a church then and there's a church today. Understand, we are the same church. We, nothing has changed. We have the same purpose. We have the same mission. We have the same fire. We have the same Holy Ghost. We have the same wind. We have the same God. Nothing has changed. We're still the church. And it's a shame that people come to church and they know what's going to happen. You should, as a church member, you should know what's going to happen. Why? Because every, every service, the Spirit of God should move. Every service. No, every service. And, and people have come to the place where they're satisfied with, with just a 15, 20 minute sermon. That's not the gospel. Because according to Paul, the kingdom of God is not in word only. But it's also in power and demonstration. Amen? Amen? 
And actually, unfortunately, this, this is really a prophecy that's taken place that, that William, by William Booth. Because that's exactly what's happened in the churches today. We have churches without the Holy Ghost. Under, uh, listen to me. Do, do, not, do, not mis, do not think that just because a place is full of people that God's there. Because one thing that Americans have done, we have proved that you can build big, beautiful churches without God. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Listen to what John Wesley said. He said, I am, I, I am not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without power. John Wesley. Speaking about the Methodist church. There's many more quotes I can give you. But go with me to the book of Matthew. Understand we are contending. Every single one of us should be contending for the supernatural. We can't become placent. And please, let me say it again. Do not leave here, do not leave here and, 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 and say that, that Dr. Moore, you know, he's, he's belittling the word. And no, I'm not at all. Understand something. I, I've had people come, listen, I've had people go, I mean, just go on, go on the internet, you know, go on Google and you just pull up our name and people say, well, you know, all they do is just Holy Ghost, everything, don't even preach. You've never been to one of our meetings. <laughs> Listen, I'll spend, first off, one thing that, that, and I said last night, one thing that, that, that I do not even think about is time. Forget about time. Because when you're, when you're conscious of time, then you're more concerned about time than you are about what God wants to do. And understand something, every single one of you need to have an encounter with God. Every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Because you don't know who's sitting beside you. You don't know the hell that's going on in their life. Bless you. And when we, we, we've come to the place to where we, we, we are more concerned about people. Understand something. As pastors, Pastor Jack and Pastor Todd and myself, understand something. This church is not here to accommodate people. This church is here to accommodate the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because it's all about Him. Amen. Amen? Amen. I remember a number, I remember a number of years ago, I'll give you an example. I remember a number of years ago, I had this pastor uh, invite me. He'd been trying to get me to come to his church. And, and I said to him, I, 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 I couldn't. It's going to be some time. And, and, um, and I had something postponed. And so I called the pastor and, and I said, hey, look, I can come. He said, man, there's not enough notice. I said, it's the only time I can come. And I, know, I just got a week. He says, man, look, it's Wednesday night. We'll go to church. We'll get the word out. We'll just come. I, actually, I like it that way better anyway. I love suddenlies. I, I love, I, I have found over the years some of the greatest meetings have, have, have taken place when they're not been planned. Suddenlies. Suddenlies. 
I mean, I would tell, I would tell pastors, I mean, my wife, we're, we're on the road 300 days a year. I mean, for, for, for 20, for, I, I don't really do morning meetings anymore. But up until about five years ago, I, I would do morning meetings every, every, everywhere we'd go. I mean, I, I've, since 1990, I, I've conducted, my wife and I have conducted 8,000 revivals. It's a lot. I, I, listen, I, I, would, I would average, I would, jeez, just imagine being on the, road three, on the road 300 days a year, speaking twice. I mean, I do almost 500 services a year, and I did that for 25 years. And it's not, it's not because of my education. It's not because of my sermons. It's because of the glory of God that comes. Amen. It's because of the fire of God that falls. And everywhere, go, everywhere we go, it happens. And I, I, have, I have found that usually, you know, depending on the, depending on the place, it takes anywhere. It take it could take anywhere for a week to two weeks to even break the thing through. I, I remember. I never understood. I remember my mentor, Doctor Kenneth e. Hagan. He used to say he would never back in back in in, in when the days when he was on the road. Uh, he he would never accept a meeting less than three weeks ever. And then we'll go, we'll go into churches and, and, and it, just, it, it, it explodes. And I tell pastors, listen, it's going to explode. And I, and I said, one thing that's going to happen, you're going to find out those that are with you and those that are not. You're going to find out the hungry people in your church. But I can promise you there will be an explosion that takes place and people will be added. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere go, I can tell you, everywhere we go, people are added to the church. Everywhere. Matter of fact, I used to have a pastor in Indiana. He, he said to me, and I actually stopped going. I mean, he, he said to me, you know why I have you in? I said, no, why? He said, because every time you come, people are out of my church. <clears throat> and I am what, what I, listen, and, and what you see is what you get. I'm the, sa I'm the same way outside as I am inside. I've had people tell me, well, you shouldn't share so much about yourself. I'm sorry, I can't. I just, I, I just open myself. This is, who I, this is who I am. Either you like me or you don't. I'm not moved by it, by the way. Because I'd rather you have an encounter with God. Amen? I'm not here to become your favorite evangelist. I'm not running for office. I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose. I have a mandate that the Lord's put on my life. The Lord spoke to me. You saw it there. The Lord spoke to me, and he said, take the move of my spirit to my church. I cannot tell you the people that try to get me to pastor churches. I'm not a pastor. The Lord wants me to pastor. He'll let me know. But you know what? The Lord spoke to me in 1990, and he told me, take the move of my spirit to the church. When the Lord's ready for me to do something else, he can tell me. Until then, I'm going to keep going and doing what he told me to do. Hello? And even, even, even there in the midst, because there, there was a season, a season to where everything's revival, 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 which most people don't even know what revival is. It's amazing to me. Listen, forget about the books. I, listen, I remember the days you'd go into a Christian bookstore and you couldn't even find a book on revival. Now you go into a Christian bookstore and there are tons of books about revival. But the unfortunate thing is, is, is that they're written by people that don't even know what revival is. They just read a book about revival. That person read a book about revival. So it's an it's a end topic. So let's just write about a book about revival so we can make some money. Right. 
And they don't even understand what it is because they've never encountered it. And I hear people talk about revival. Listen, we have tons of manifestations. Tons of Matter of fact, the church I was just at, I was just playing golf with the pastor last week. 5,000 member church in Louisville, Kentucky. Colonel Sanders used to be the member of the, member of the church before he died. People don't know Colonel Sanders was a Holy Ghost man. Spoke in tongues. So every time when you go to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken, you ever wonder why you want to speak in tongues? It's Holy Ghost Chicken. So... <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was, I was, I was, and I, I, we, I did TV with him last week, and, and I reminded him, I said, remember when, when we was here many years ago? Remember the lady that was in the, that's in the church, the governor's sister, was in the meeting. I said, remember what happened to her? Remember? She froze. The power of God came on her. She froze, went into a trance for four days. Didn't move for four days. Didn't eat any, didn't eat any food, drink any water, anything for four days. But it isn't an amazing that, that, that wows people. But when in reality, it should be commonplace. Because I can show you it in the book of Acts. And yeah, I can tell you manifestation after manifestation after manifestation. I can, I can take the next week and just talk to you about the manifestations. But the problem is, people who come from the mental standpoint when it comes to revival, think revival's about manifestations, and it's not. Here's what revival's about. You're going to learn something tonight. Here's the purpose of revival. Revival's for one reason. It's for, listen to me very closely, it's for the church to return to her first love. To where Jesus becomes your first love. To where Jesus is everything to you. He must be everything to you. And don't think, just listen, do not think because the church is big, because the church has a lot of people in it, that God is pleased. Because I can take you to the, I can take you to the book of Revelations, when, the, when John was on the Isle of Patmos, when the Lord Jesus appeared to him, when, he, when John heard a voice as a trumpet, and he turned, and John gives us this glorious description of our Lord. He begins to describe the Lord. He begins to talk about his hair, begins to talk about his eyes as they were flames of fire, and the Bible says he fell dead. That's why, to be honest with you, most people that come tell me, well, you know, the Lord appeared to me. I do not believe him. Because they're, 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 what, there's, there's no holiness in what they're saying. There's, it's too nonchalant. I promise you, if the Lord Jesus appeared to you, it would not be. Well, you know, the Lord disappeared to me. Absolutely. I doubt you'd even be able to talk about it for a while. And then when you go to talk about it, there'd be such a reverence. There'd be such a awe. There'd be such a holiness in it. Everybody would know it because they feel it. You cannot encounter God and when you begin to testify about it, people not know it. Amen. The only way they don't know it is if you never encountered him and you just got some message instead of an encounter. I promise you, I promise you when Moses stood before Pharaoh, I promise you Pharaoh saw the fire of God in Moses' eyes because Moses had an encounter 
with a God of fire that answers by fire. He's a consuming fire. John, when he looked into the Lord's eyes, his eyes were flames of fire. And he was given a message. He was given a message to the seven churches. And the very first church was the church of Ephesus. Which in the natural, it would be the model church for church growth conferences. Because they got their programs. Listen, let me say something. I'm not against programs. I'm only against programs pushing away the Holy Ghost. Because everything's by the Spirit. Everything. And he, he, gave, he gave a message to the seven churches. The first church being the church of Ephesus that Timothy was the pastor of. Paul started it. It was 22,000 plus people. That's a big church to today's standards. That's a massive church. And yet, when the, when the Lord gives them the message, notice he starts out giving them congratulations. He starts, out, he starts out with telling them all the things they're doing right. He starts out and he tells them, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that we have history. I know you suffered much for my namesake. I know that you, that you don't like false apostles and, you, apostles and you will expose them. He tells them all the things that they're doing right. But then he gives them the meat of the message. Then he says to them, but I have something against you. What? You mean the Lord of glory's got something against his church? It was a mega church. They were doing everything right. But yet the Lord had something against them. And he said, you have forsaken your first love. Listen to me very closely. God's more concerned with you having a relationship with him more than he's concerned about things you do for him. If you was to ask the church of Ephesus, do you love the Lord? They'd like, look at you, well, of course we love the Lord. But yet if you was to ask the Lord if they love him, he'd say, yeah, they love me, but just not first. And this, my friend, is the whole purpose of revival. Because it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Because Jesus has to be your first love. He has to be your passion. He has to be everything to you. Counted a badge of honor to be called a Jesus freak. Counted a badge of honor to be called a Jesus lover. But yet I will say this to you. Don't come and tell me you love the Lord if you don't ever talk about Him. Because what you love, what you're in love with, you talk about. Let me come to this section of the church. What you love, you talk about. Don't tell, don't, don't, come on, don't, don't, don't tell me you love something, don't ever talk about it. And the whole purpose for Jesus appearing to, the, to John to give a letter to the seven churches, the church of Ephesus was all about their love for him. Not about what they're doing for him. Because they were doing a lot of things for him. Yet, you know, do you realize that you can come to the place to where you're more in love with the work of God than the God of the work? It's all about relationship. 
everything is about relationship. And that's the purpose of revival. That's why revival must come. But when revival comes to the church, then guess what? There will come an awakening to the world. But revival has to come to the church first. There can be no awakening until revival comes to the church. Revival's not for the world. The church, listen, the world doesn't need revival. They need revival. They don't need revival. Because revival can only come to those who was once alive. Amen. Amen. And I promise you something. When you fall in love with Jesus, when you allow the fire of God to come and baptize you, I promise you one thing. You will be not only a lover, but you will be someone who proclaims boldly Jesus. You'll tell everybody about him. I remember when, listen, I remember when I got saved. I remember when I got saved. I didn't grow up in church. I was like, Pastor Daphne, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know what church was. Only thing I knew, I had a revelation of hell. That's how I got saved. I had a revelation of hell. I just did, I knew I didn't, I knew I was going to hell and I didn't want to go to hell. And, 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 and I went to church and after three months of a God telling me I was going to hell, I had a revelation of it. And I went into the church and I didn't, I didn't, I, I was telling somebody here, I, I didn't even, I didn't know what was supposed to be in church. I walked into the church and there was thousands of people there. There was drums and instruments and they were singing and dancing. I'm like, where am I at? I'm, sta- I'm up in the balcony and I'm, I'm scared. My knees are fellowshipping with one another. I just want to get saved. I just want to get saved. And I, I remember, it's amazing how you have the thought. I remember having the thought, because it was around the Jim Jones time, you know, when they drank the Kool-Aid and everybody. I remember saying to myself, if they pass the juice, I'm out of here. I remember saying to myself, I wasn't even saved. And I remember standing there thinking, what is going on here? And I kept saying to the guy, when do I get saved? Oh, I tell you, I tell you. Matter of fact, I just had lunch with him, dinner with him last week. I got, when do I get saved? No, I'll tell you when. Next day, I would keep every few minutes. When do I get saved? No, I'll tell you when. When do I get saved? No, no, I'll tell you when. And I remember standing there just looking at the people, jumping up and down, dancing. Next thing I know, the lady beside me. Ha, la, 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 la. <laughs> what in the heck was that? <laughs> then next thing I know, another lady on this. Ha, la, la, la. Then the whole church. Ha, la, 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 la. I'm like, and I said to my friend, I said, where's, where, where's all these foreigners from? <laughs> He said, what? I said, what country do these people come from? He said, oh, man. He said, that's tongues. I said, what's tongues? He said, he said oh, don't worry. You're going to get it. I'm like, whoa. I didn't want to get saved first. <laughs> Bring me along slowly. <laughs> and I remember when it was my time, he, he said to me, he said, now, I remember I, I jumped up. I ran down. I ran and I, I, I ran to the altar and I gave my life to the Lord. I gave my life. To, listen, I gave my life to the, I gave my life to the Lord. And I was changed. Listen, I was changed. See, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing you have to, that's the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Because only Christianity changes your nature. Amen. When people become Muslim, their nature does not change. When people become Buddhist, their nature does not change. But the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life, your whole nature changes. Listen to me. Your whole nature changes. You go from life, you go from death to life. Amen. 
And I remember when I, when I made him my Lord, I remember I felt so new. I remember walking outside. I walked outside and I'm like, tree. <laughs> I'm staring at the trees. And I said, I just had this conversation with him, with him just last week. I said, listen to those sounds. Listen to the birds. Why? Because I'm alive now. I was dead, but now I'm alive. The whole nature's changed. That's the very thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion. Only Christianity, listen to me, only Christians can say, my God lives in me. No other religion can say that. Only Christians can say, I've been washed in the blood of my God. No other religion can say that. Only Christians can say, I've been given a name that's above every name. And the very mention of that name, every demon in hell flees. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, is, that, is, is that the enemy has, has been successful to a degree in keeping the body of Christ ignorant of who they are in Christ. Hello. Yeah. And what Jesus has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. And some of it starts with the head. Because I tell pastors all the time, if you want your church to be a praying church, they got to see you praying. If you want your church to be on fire, they got to see you on fire. Hello, if you want your church to be a giving church, they got to see you giving. Amen? If, they, if you want your church to be excited over the things of God, then they got to see you excited. Amen? And lives even right now, this very moment, are being changed. Because right now, the Holy Spirit is walking up and down each aisle. And He comes and He searches the hearts of those that are hungry for Him. Because there's every, every time we gather together, there's something that the Holy Ghost wants to do. Every time. And I remember this pastor, he, 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 he said to me, well, let, let's read this. Go, go with me to Matthew 3. Matthew 3, listen to what he says here. Matthew chapter 3. It's our foundational scripture tonight. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry. Listen to what he says here. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There should not be a deficiency when it comes to the fire of God. There should not be a deficiency in our midst when it comes to the Holy Ghost moving. There should be a display of God's power every single time. One reason why it doesn't happen, first off, you gotta, you got to expect it. you got to believe it. Amen. Every time I come into a service, I know God's going to move. I know it. I've actually come to the place where, where in my life where Charles Finney came to. Charles Finney used to play, he used to pray this way. Lord, are you not going to move tonight? He was so used to God moving, he would pray, Lord, are you not going to move? I can tell you, since, since January of 1990, listen, everywhere we've gone, there's been an outpouring, there's been a moving of the Spirit of God. Now, some places are stronger than others, but even places that it's not strong, it gets strong because we, because we camp out. 
I can't tell you the places that we've gone to. We start with two, three hundred people, end with fifteen hundred people. Two services a day, day after day after day after day. And I tell, I used to tell pastors, I said, look, as soon as I'm done, just stay, just, just, just stay ready, because as soon as I'm done, I'll call you and we'll come and start. Forget, forget about, forget about announcements. We'll just come. We'll, because the listen, the best advertisement is the Holy Ghost anyway. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. The best advertisement is the Holy Ghost. And I remember this pastor. I said to him, "I can come and start this Sunday." And I only got a week. And I remember we went there. It was out in the country. And I remember, I remember, man, I remember pulling up to this church. I'm thinking, where in the world am I at? I mean, it's just, it was this country church. I remember, I remember walking. It was an old pole barn. And I remember walking into the church. I walked in. And, and, to, be, and to be honest with you, it's the ugliest church I've ever seen in my life. There's probably about, I don't know, 60, 70 people there. 50, 60, 70 people. The walls were, were just a, I ain't even seen an ugly blue like that. The chairs were like a pukey green. I'm looking around for somebody's got, nobody's got a green like that here. I mean, it was just, uh, the carpet was not one, it was different swatches from people's homes. And the praise and worship, <laughs> it was, it was bad. The guitar player still had stickers on the neck of his guitar. C, G. The, the keyboard player had stickers on the keys so they'd know what key C. And there, not, there was no rhythm. I, could, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I walked outside. I walked outside. I said to the Lord, I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, 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 I know you can, you can pray the anointing down, you can preach the anointing down, you can give the anointing down, and you can worship the anointing down. But we ain't going to be worshiping up and down this week. I said, that's, that's horrible. Actually, I said, Lord, that's, that's, that's from hell. <laughs> and as soon as I'm saying, the pastor walks out and shuts the door behind him and looks at me and he says, oh, Evangelist Richard, I can't handle that in there. I'm like, why do you think I'm out here? So here's the evangelist and the pastor couldn't handle the praise and worship. <laughs> it, was that, it was that bad. No, 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 it, it, it was bad. I could have done a, listen, I can't even sing. I mean, I, I can't sing. I don't, I, I don't even know if God knows my key. I, I don't sing. But that was bad. I mean, I could have, listen, I could have done a better job with a cat under my arm squeezing it or something. But I mean, <laughs> that, 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 was, that was bad. <laughs> and I, re <laughs> oh, I feel it. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been to that church too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, trust me, it was bad. And then there was a lady. And I get up, they introduce me, and, and, and there's a lady sitting on the front row. And I'd walk just like I am now. I don't, listen, I just like this. I've had theologians come to my meetings to see what am I doing that gets people into an emotional frenzy that they get into, that they have to be carried out of a church. No, no. But yet, and it confuses them because I'm not running around spitting over five, six pews, throwing my, I'm just walking, I just, just do like this. I, I'm ministering right now. And it baffles them. And 
There was this lady, as I'd walk around, just like I am right now, there was this lady sitting on the front row, and, and she started growling at me. And I'd walk by, and she'd go, and I'm like, did that lady just growl? And so I'll walk back again, and she, and she wouldn't, she'd look at me, she wouldn't even blink, and she's just watching me. And I look down at her, and she'd go, it's on the front row. And I'm like, well, surely, she, she, I mean, she's going to get saved. Because when you get saved, your nature changes. That, that's why when, when, when people keep living like they lived when they were in the world, I doubt their salvation. Because when you really get saved, you don't want to do what you did in the world. Amen. Hello. Amen. And I thought to myself, well, should I give you an altar call? She didn't, she didn't, she didn't respond. Because I give altar calls, I mean, most every night in, the, in our meetings. And I've even come under attack here recently for giving an altar call in the church. Well, no, big, charismatic church. I said, I said to the guy who's, I said, maybe, maybe the pastor just got embarrassed because, because his drummer answered the altar call. See, to, I wouldn't, I would take that as a great thing. No, I would take that as a great thing. Because as ministers, understand something. We're not here to see to it that you live the American dream. We're here for one purpose, to make sure you make heaven. Amen? Amen. And I would, I, would, I would be devastated. I will be, listen, I'll be devastated when I stand before the Lord to know that that, that I, I was at churches and, and there was people in my meetings that, that came in unsaved and left unsaved. That would devastate me. It would devastate me as a pastor to know that somebody sat under my ministry and didn't make heaven. Because it's all about eternity. It's all about eternity. And so I thought to myself, well, she won't be back Sunday night, sure enough, I come in the church Sunday night, there she is, growled at me again. I thought, well, she won't be back Monday night, sure enough, Monday night, there she was, growled at me again. Tuesday night, I think, she won't be back Tuesday night, sure enough, I come back Tuesday night, I'm like, I'm like, because I kept asking, my, asking the Lord, I said, I knew she was full of devils. And I said, Lord, I'm like, am I, am I to cast the devil out of this woman? And the Lord wouldn't say anything to him, so I didn't do anything. I just kept doing what I know to do. Tuesday night, as I walk in, I see her. The Lord told me to share my testimony. And as I began to share my testimony, what you've seen happen on the video started happening. The fire of God started falling into place, and the fire of God fell on this lady. Listen, here's what the fire of God does. Understand, the fire of God fell on this lady, and when the fire of God hit her, I was actually standing by her, and when the fire of God hit her, she, it, it startled me. Because I wasn't expected. She screamed. Oh, she let out this scream. And it sounded, it, I mean, it must have, it, it, it felt like it was like, you know, 10 minutes. It probably wasn't just, you know, a few seconds. But it seemed forever. Next thing I know, the fire of God hit her. She screams. After she starts screaming, all of a sudden she starts laughing uncontrollably. Hits the ground laughing uncontrollably. Starts rolling around on the ground. 
rolling back and forth, laughing uncontrollably. An hour went by, still laughing uncontrollably. Two hours went by, three hours went by, still laughing uncontrollably, rolling around on the floor. And the fire of God just hit that whole place. Her husband had to go to work. Well, I didn't know that her and her husband, they owned the property that the pole barn was on. So her husband, her husband was a big old guy. He comes in, picks her up, throws her over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> and, he, and, and I watched as, as, as they went out the door. She's over his shoulder and she's ah! uncontrollably. What's amazing is I come, I come to the service the next night and he carried her in. <laughs> carried her out on Tuesday night, carried her in on Wednesday night. And he said, well, and of course, they always want to blame me. What did you do to my wife? I didn't do anything. No, I cannot tell you. I've had, I, had a, I had a guy try to kill me one time. I cannot tell you. Listen, let me just tell you. There's, there's a whole lot of things that come with the supernatural ministry that people don't even understand. And he said, my wife is different. And when I found out her story, nobody, in, nobody liked her in, this, in the church. Nobody liked her in, the, in, in this, this small town. Everybody knew her, but nobody liked her. I didn't know that she'd tried to, keep suicide, tried to commit suicide five times. I didn't know that she'd been out of, in, in and out of mental institutions. I didn't know that she was on 20-some different medicines every day. He said, I couldn't even sleep last night. I had to carry my wife out of church. I'm laying there. He said, i got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He, he was a steel worker. He said, I, I'm sitting there laying in bed, and I couldn't sleep because my wife is laughing. I'm just, just, just shaking because my wife is, ah! He said, I had to get up and go sleep in the guest room. He said, when I got up to go to work, I still heard my wife, ah, in the boom. He said, I, let, he said, I called home for lunch. When I went on to my, at lunch, I called home, and my daughter says, Daddy, what's wrong with Mommy? We go into the room, she's still in her church clothes. We go into the room, and she doesn't answer. All she's doing is laughing. He said, I can hear her through the phone, ah, laughing. He said, I came home. He, came, I said, he said, I came home from, from work. And I go into the room and she's still in there laughing from the night before. He said, I didn't know what to do, so I just picked her up, put her over my shoulder, and he carried her into church the next night. Do you know that lady, listen to me, that lady become the church worship leader? My wife and I was just, was just in, in, in that town a few weeks ago. She came to, my, to our meeting. This has been like some 20 years. Still totally delivered, still totally free. Do you know what happened? Here's what happened. Here's, I found out her story. From the time she was 8 to the time she was 14, her father, her grandfather, her uncle, and her brother would rape her and, and molest her and do horrible things to her. Her grandfather used to take, put her in the, to, a, to a, a train car out in the country and take his cigar and put out on her and do a lot of other things that we won't even mention. It's just wicked. It wasn't a sermon that changed her life. The fire. It's the fire of God that fell. It was the fire, that same fire that fell on the day of Pentecost, that same fire that fell on me is that fire, the fire of God, the very fire that John said. And this is the first time the Bible even mentions it. That when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with 
fire. If the fire of God wasn't important, listen to me, God would not have told the disciples to go wait for it. And yet we've come to a place to where the Holy Ghost is hardly even mentioned anymore in churches, let alone the fire of God. But I can take you to the major denominations as I started to talk earlier. I can take you to major denominations. I can take you to major uh, cemetery or seminaries <laughs> to where they're graduating people out of the seminaries and, and, and they, don't even, they don't even believe in the resurrection and they don't even believe in hell. I can take you to a major Baptist theological seminary. And I'm not coming against the Baptists. Because trust me, I can come against the Pentecostals, the Word of Faith, everybody. I can come against myself. But that's not my purpose. To, to my purpose is not to attack the church. You know, you don't, you don't get anywhere that way. The purpose is, is, is to get people hungry in the church to have an encounter with God. But... Unfortunately, many in our denominations, many in our circles, they, they were birthed in the fires of revival, but there's no more revival. There's no more fire. And God is not accepted. That is not acceptable with God. And there has to come a revival. There has to come a revival. Listen to me. There has to come a revival. But it, it will only come Listen to me. It doesn't come because all of a sudden God decides, well, I'm going to send a revival. That is not how it happens. It happens because people begin to get hungry for God and they begin to seek Him. They begin to search Him out. They begin to cry out to Him and they begin with all of their hearts seek Him. Listen, God never called us to serve Him halfway. Listen, there's, when you come to Him, you got to forget about everything you want to do. you got to forget everything that you've been planning in your life to do. you got to pick up the cross of the Lord, and you got to be about His business. you got to be consumed with His business. you got to be consumed with Him, because it's no longer about you. It's everything about Him. It's all about Him. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Here in, here in a few weeks, uh, in end of October, my wife and I will be in Illinois. And it's, it's a, I've never been to the church. Most of the churches I go to, I've never been to. Because I, I said to the Lord, I said to the Lord a long time ago. I said, Lord, I don't want to be a circuit preacher. Please, I don't want to be a circuit preacher. This goes to the every year goes to, back to the same. I don't. That's not. I don't want to do that. And and my wife would tell you, ninety percent of the churches we go to every year are new churches. I don't want to be a circuit preacher. And so I'm going to this church in, in the end of October, and and I said to the pastor, How far are we from Zion? couple hours away and I said I want you to take me to Zion City where John Alexander Dowie built Zion City Illinois here's a man didn't even speak in tongues but yet he built this church pastored this church 5,000 people for 19 years and in 19 years of pastoring over 5,000 people never buried a church member because he got them all healed I don't know what you call that. I call that success. 
But yet you go there today, and you'll see, you'll see his picture on the wall. Then you'll see the man who took his place. Then you'll see the man who took his place. All the way down to present day. And you go in the other day, and you go in there today, and you know what the head of, of, of that place will tell you? Is that, here's what he'll tell you. Because a friend of mine was just there. Here's what he'll tell you. We can't tell you the last time we've seen a miracle. So that tells me, how much of what was in Dowie got into the next guy? That got into the next guy? That got into the next guy? To where much of the talk, and it's even, that way, it's even that way in charismatic circles today. To where much of the talk, it's not about what God's doing, it's what God did. Listen, even though the Lord touched me in journey of 1990, I was in the ministry five years before that. But I don't even count the first five years of my ministry because nothing happened. Because I'd go around the country having miracle crusades. Just didn't have any miracles. You know what it's like to have a miracle ministry? No miracles? Come talk to me, I can tell you. <laughs> I think what's even worse, it took me five years to realize there's a problem. <laughs> and then that's when I got hungry for God. That's why I began to share last night, which I didn't get to share much. I got hungry for God and I, and I began to cry, cry out and I began to go after Him. And I would cry out to God, listen, let me listen to me. Every single one of you here, God has heard your cry. God's heard you. Every single one of you here, God has heard you. But listen to me. It takes sometimes time. Because God's got to have to position you. To get you to the place. Because everything God does... He does by the Holy Ghost, but He does it through people. And I, I cried out for a year and a half because I asked the Lord to let me out of the ministry. Because I didn't want to be in the ministry anymore. Not because I didn't, I was upset with the Lord. I don't even understand that thinking. I had somebody who come tell me, come tell me not long ago. And I'll be honest, I'm just going to tell you, I just, I just put it out there. He said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just angry with the Lord. I said, well, you're an idiot. What are you angry with him for? He's not your problem. He's your help. You're angry with the wrong person. That's stupidity. Be angry at him? My gosh. To even, have, to even say that tells me you don't even know who he is. You don't even know him. God, understand, he is love. He can't be anything but love. And I wanted out just because, and I asked the Lord, can I get out? I don't want to be a preacher. Lord, please, can I get out of the ministry? And the Lord said, no. He said, I've called you. Then I said, Lord, you've got to do something in me. And I heard the Lord say, come after me. And I began to seek him for a year and a half. I began to seek him and I began to cry out to him. I, I began to seek him. I didn't even know what to ask. But I began, Lord, I, 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 listen, listen, the ministry that I have right now, listen, I didn't ask for this. I didn't, I didn't know this it was, I didn't even know about this. I never asked for a ministry to where, where the, the Lord gives me a ministry of joy. I didn't ask for a ministry to where the, the fire of God falls and people get drunk and people run around the church and people go in trances. And, and I didn't even ask where people, where tumors disappear off people. I never asked for any of that. 
I just came to the place. I was so hungry and so desperate for God, I cried out unto him. And even as I was crying out, I knew that wasn't enough. And then, then I'm, I married my wife, and, and, and she is just, man, she just, she knows that God, she's never fought me ever. Sarah, she's a dynamic preacher herself. She's never fought me. But I, I mean, I, I, I remember I, 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 said, I said, Lord, I'm coming after it. And, 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 and I, 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 I met Dr. Rodney I. Brown in 1988 before the revival, the revival didn't even break out until 89. But I remember there was something different. And I remember, I re- well, what happened? I get a phone call from the pastor of the church I got saved in, Wayman Rogers. And he calls me and he says, he says, I want you to come back and work for me. I said, okay, I'll come back. So my wife and I, we gave everything we had away. The rest of the stuff I threw away. I wasn't going to give them to drunken people. No, no. I wasn't going to give my drunk to people. What you sow, you reap. Hello. And let me say something. The church is not a place to dump off your junk. Well, pastor, we got this couch for the church. No, it's a, it, you know what? It's a piece of junk. Burn it. It's a piece of junk that smells like dog pee. Burn it. Give it to the church. Seriously, give it to the church. You sow dog pee couches, I promise you, you'll reap dog pee couches. It's a piece of junk. Because it's a law, you'll, you'll, you'll reap what you sow. Amen? Amen. If you're going to give something to God, give your best. Amen. That's Pastor Jack, who's awesome. This is an awesome man of God, him and his precious wife. Amen. Get a hold when he's talking. I sit, and, I sit and, 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 and rejoice on the inside because most pastors, won't, they're afraid to talk about money. Because they're in bondage themselves. When you're free in an area, you're bold and talking about it. And he comes, and, he, and so we gave everything away and just had a little bit of stuff. I get back to Louisville, Kentucky. On Monday night, Tuesday morning, he dies. And he didn't tell anybody he hired me. So I just did whatever a Christian does. You know, what does Christians do when they're distressed? You go to a Christian bookstore. That's what I did. I, well, I was trying. To, I, seriously, I went to a Christian bookstore. I'm not. People think I just tell stories. No, I'm, everything I'm saying is the truth. I'm trying to find a book. What to do when the pastor offers you a job and he dies. And he tells nobody he hires you. But you know what? I said that story to tell you this. God's heard your cry. God, listen, God used Pastor Wayman to get me out of where I was, to get me back to Louisville. Why? Because I had to hook up with somebody. He positioned me. So don't be discouraged when you're crying out to him and it doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't happen even the next year or two. Why? Because God, the moment you cry out to him, listen to me, the moment you ask, God goes to work on your behalf to bring it to pass. And the reason why things don't come to pass is because Christians, they, listen to me, they don't have patience and they, listen to me, and then they go on to the next thing. 
But God heard you when you cried out to Him. And He goes to work to bring it to past. And then that's when I met back up, my wife and I, because I'm walking out of the Christian bookstore, and as I'm walking out of the Christian bookstore, in walks Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Because he's the same past, the pastor that brought me to work for him is the pastor that brought him from Africa. Oh, don't tell me God's hand wasn't in all this. He heard my cry. He's heard your cry. He's heard you. He's heard you. That's why last night he, he confirmed what you said to Pastor Marie. And I said to him, I said, my wife and I are going to travel with you. He said, I can't pay you. I said, when I'm after money, can't buy. And my wife and I, for eight months, traveled all over this country. He's in his little van, Chevy Astro van, and I'm in a little Ford Tempo. No cruise control. <laughs> I couldn't even put the seats back because they're full of suitcases. <laughs> and only one of them was mine. And, but anyway, we said... <laughs> You notice how you notice how bold I am over here. <laughs> but she would tell you, well, he had his golf clubs. I did. And I cry out. We drove we drove hours. We would drive twenty plus hours nonstop. And I mean from Kentucky to California to Oregon to Florida to Rhode Island to Arizona to back. I mean we traveled all over this country and the whole time, Lord, I'm so hungry for you. God, I'm so hungry. God, I'm so hungry for you, Lord, I'm so hungry. Lord, I'm so I wasn't asking for miracles. I wasn't asking for anything. Lord, I gotta know you. 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 I'm so hungry for you. I went after it. But he told us, he promised me, if I would seek him and search for him with all of my heart, he would allow me to find him. Amen. He promised me that. The problem is, is that most people don't seek, and when they do seek, they seek on their own terms. That's why nothing happens. Listen, when you come, listen, when you come to him, you, listen, forget about everything. Lay everything to the side. Lay everything to the side. And go after him with everything in you. Everything in you. Forget about your material things. Go after him with everything in you. And I went after him and I found him. My line, you heard. Oh, myself. Yeah, heard. And let me tell you, with that, with that encounter comes so much glorious things come. So much came in the area of finances and blessings. If I tell you the things that the Lord has done for my wife and I, I'd blow you away. And let me say something to the pastors here, Pastor Jack and to Pastor Todd and Pastor Maria and Pastor today. People, people look at what's present and they're judging. Well, look what he's driving. But here's the problem. Don't ever judge someone's harvest until you first know their seed. No one just springs up overnight. 
You don't know what has been going on month after month after month, year after year after year. You don't know that you don't see them on their face before God hour after hour after hour crying out, going flying to here and flying there and flying here and doing this and, do, and fasting here and go, coming after him with everything. Why? Because there's a hunger there that you got to find him. I'm not talking about salvation experience. Because every individual that God has used to bring a great awakening to a nation, to change the very course of a generation, every single one of them have been individuals that had an encounter with God. A.A. Allen spent 15 days in a closet crying out to God and didn't come out for 15 days. And on the 15th day, the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And it was, as, it was after that appearance that the Lord appeared to him that he, had a, that, that he was given a miracle ministry. It was after 15 days of being in a closet, not eating any food, crying out to him. How many of you are going to go into a closet for 15 days and not come out just to cry? And you're crying out. And you're crying out. And you're crying out. And it, sounds, and it sounds like God's not even hearing you. But you keep crying out. Part of it is a test. You mean God tests us? Absolutely he tests us. No, he doesn't test you. Let me say something to you. God will never test you with something he redeemed you from. He doesn't test us with poverty. It doesn't test, and, 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 and so, listen, but I'll tell you this, the moment you have an encounter with God, the moment the, the anointing breaks out, and the moment revival breaks out, you better get ready for extreme blessing coming your way. I mean, I'm talking about blessings that will overtake you. I'm talking about, I'm talking about blessings that will make, that, that, that blessed people get jealous. And, 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 and do not... Not allow yourself to enjoy something based upon somebody else's bondage. It's amazing. I, 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 it so angers me to watch Christians who are free that allow themselves to be put in bondage by somebody of lesser faith. I was driving with a pastor, a very large church. I mean, a mega church. We're going, to, we're going uh, I think we're going to play golf. And I said to him, man, you got a nice car. He said, yeah, I think I'm going to have to get rid of it. I said, What? He said, I think I got people in my church that upset. I said, Pastor. He said, What? I said, It's a Ford. <laughs> it's not like it's a McLaren. Then <laughs> who cares if it was? Oh it's a, a, okay, sorry. It's a glorified Lincoln. <laughs> it was a town car. Remember the old big old town cars? He said, you don't think I should get rid of it? I said, absolutely not. He said, what would you do? I said, if it was me, I'd go buy another one for my wife. <laughs> because the, mo but the moment you yield, the moment you yield to that, you become captive to it. I was in a church, I'm sorry to say it was in your state. <laughs> I love Texas, by the way. I won't tell you where it's at, but it was south of Houston. And... <laughs> I was in this church, and the pastor, pastor invited, it was one of those suddenlies. And I said to the pastor, I said, Pastor, when we come, fire of God's going to fall. He said, oh, we're ready. There's about 500 people in the church. Sunday morning, the fire of God fell. People took off running. I mean, I had, I had to stand up and say, look, if you're going to run, run the same direction. <laughs> I mean, people took off. People took off. 
Sunday night was another explosion. Monday morning, because we had morning meetings. After the, after the Monday morning service, the pastor calls me. As I'm in my hotel room, pastor calls me. He says, Brother Richard, look, I think we're going to have to shut these meetings down. I said, Pastor, we're supposed to go through Friday. He said, yeah, I know. He said, but I think we, I think we need to end on Wednesday. I said, look, I said, Pastor, I said, look, I've been doing this a long time. I said, this is not my first rodeo. I said, what is he or she saying? It's always one, one or two. And what, what boggles my mind is how the leader of a congregation would be swayed by one or two people and forget about the 99. And I said, and here's what he said to me. He said, he said I got to be honest with you. He said, he said, Brother Richard, he said, you've lit more fires <laughs> in, in, in one day than I've seen the whole lifetime of my ministry. I said, well, that's what we do. I said, so what is, what is, he said, he said well, it's, it's such and such lady in my church. I said, I bet she's got money, don't she? He said, yeah, well, she's a very worth lady. I said, what happened? She, she came in my office this morning and demanded that I shut the meetings down. I said, really? I said, so you're going to yield to her? I said, pastor, I can't tell you what to do. I said, but understand the Holy Ghost. I said, if you grieve him, you might not get him back. So just be sure that what you do, you're led by God and not by religion. And I said, Pastor, let me just say this. I said, if you yield to this lady, and here's what I said to him. I said, if you yield to this lady, you're going to be in bondage to this lady. And everything you go to do, you're going to have her in your mind. I said, you'll come to the place, you're in so much in bondage, you'll, you, you'll have to ask her if you can go on vacation. I said, matter of fact, you'll be so in bondage to this woman, you'll have to ask her when you can go pee. Because that's what religion does. Because the moment you yield to it, you become a servant. Just like the moment you yield to the Holy Ghost. Because whatever you yield to is what comes in you. And I said, let's, let's, let's go have let's go for coffee or whatever. We're sitting there having coffee. And he, you know what? He slaps himself. He said, my God. He said, Brother Richard, I'm, we ain't shutting these meetings down. And we ended up going for weeks. He said, I'm not shutting these meetings down. He said, he said it's like something got on me. I said, yeah, I, 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 I understand. I said, I, I know what it is. I said, hell hates these meetings. There's a, there's a reason why the Bible says in the book of Corinthians... The second chapter, there's a reason, verse 8, there's a reason why the Bible says that if hell would have known what was going to happen in the, at, the, at the cross, if hell would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. See, when Jesus was on earth, hell just had to deal with him. Oh, but guess what? Now hell, hell has to deal with the body of Christ. All over the world. We are the most powerful force there. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. God, listen, God has not called us to just to give up. He's called us to rule and He's called us to reign. And the wealth of the wicked belongs to the church. Listen to me. All the gold, all the diamonds, all the... It does not belong to the world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. The earth is my daddy's. And everything in it is my daddy's. And it belongs to me. 
And I just tell people right up, what are you one of those? I had a guy say to me, what are you one of those wealth and health preachers? I said, it's a whole lot better than poverty and sickness, isn't it? (laughs) What do you mean? What a stupid, actually, that's an insult to stupid people. It's so stupid. What are you talking about? You're one of those health and wealth preachers. How, How dumb can you get and still breathe? Read, read the word of God. Read it. Amen. I, can, I, can, I can show you. Listen, I can keep you here for hours. I can keep you here for hours and quote scripture after scripture after scripture on the blessing of the Lord. Here's the problem. Here's why people come against it because here's why people preach it. First off, they're bound up themselves. And I probably, you'll never see people who bound in the area of giving, you'll never see miracles. Never. Because the anointing and money both work off the same principle. Because when God gives you something, He gives it to you to release, to give away. That's what ministering is. I'm a, I, I, I'm a minister. You, Pastor Todd is a minister. Pastor, Pastor, Pastor Jack is a minister. Listen, you know what ministry Ministering is... That's why when you see Jesus... Listen, 75% of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick. You never see Jesus one time praying for sick people. But you do see Jesus ministering to sick people. There's a difference between praying for somebody and ministering to somebody. Because when you minister to somebody, you're ministering that which God's given you. That's why we all are to minister healing to the sick. Every single one of us. I can tell you some of, the, some, of, some of the greatest displays of God's glory have happened outside of church. Everywhere we go, something happened. Everywhere. I can tell you, I can sit here and tell you story after story after story of, 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 of displays of God's glory outside of a church. But here's what happens. Is that people develop a doctrine by somebody they don't like. People don't like Kenneth Copeland. So they develop a doctrine against what he preaches. They don't like Kenneth Hagin or Earl Roberts or whatever, so they develop a doctrine that's against what they preach. I, I, I remember I said to a guy one time, we're having a discussion, and, 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 and you know, they, were always, they always want to bring up you know, Copeland and Hagin and you know, Earl Roberts and all these people. I remember I said to a guy one time, I said, who are they? Well, you know what I said? No, no, no. I said, let's pretend like this is the, let's pretend like this is the year 1600. Copeland hasn't been born. Hagen hasn't been born. Or Roberts haven't been born. This is the year 1600, and everything. The only thing we have is this. Now, show me from here why you believe what you believe. And they can't. You know why? Because they've developed a doctrine based upon somebody they don't like. And yet they proclaim it. And unfortunately, because most Christians don't get into the word themselves, they just take what they hear, hook, line, and sinker, and then they start to believe what they believe, what they're proclaiming. And you guess, and you know what? And only guess what? Listen to me. Whatever you believe will produce in your life. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Isn't that what the Bible says? Well, let me ask you a question. If the truth sets us free, then please understand something. If the truth, God's word sets us free, then there has to be a lie that binds us. Because the, the truth sets us free from what? The lie. It's God, listen to me. 
It's God's will for every single person in this room to operate and have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars flow through your hands for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Amen. See, when you, when you bring it into eternity, you understand prosperity. Because it's all about eternity. It's all about the advancement of God's kingdom. Understand something. He's El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. He's the God that's more than enough. No, he's the God that's more than enough. No, no, no. He's the God that's more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He's the God that's more than enough. He's El Shaddai. Understand who your father is. Because he is your father. Remember what Jesus said? Remember when Mary came? Remember as he's raised from the dead? Remember Jesus said, don't touch me. But what did Jesus say? He said, go tell my brethren. The first time he's ever now, the first time in the word of God that after the resurrection, that now, oh glory to God, that now he sees us as one. Amen. He sees us as family. Because he goes and he says, go tell my brethren that I'm going to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. He sees us now as family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That happens everywhere. <laughs> He sees us as family. And he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. The problem is most Christians ask so small because they ask out of their own understanding of God and they don't ask based upon who he is. He's a big God. Listen, you cannot ask too big. How does he want us that? He says, ask for me. Ask. You want to know how God, how he thinks? He says, ask me and I'll give you the nations. Amen. He says, I'll give you the nations. <laughs> That's actually what happened to me. Listen. People say, well, why, there, why does people have to scream? Because understand, wherever there's a fire, there's always a siren, always. I got, I, I got that from my pastor, so I, I got to give credit to who credit's due. No, no, no. Listen, when the fire of God falls, you'll know it. I promise you, when the fire of God falls on you, you won't turn to your spouse and go, honey, is this the fire? No, 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 no. You'll know it. You'll know it. Glory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Listen, if you're going to take off, take off. <laughs> Don't just jump up and stop and sit back down. Take off. You're going to take off. Glory to God. <laughs> I might just follow you. Hallelujah. Mom, I, I need I need weeks, man. I, I'm still in introduction. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it'll take us four or five weeks just to get out of Acts one two, uh, chapter one, verses one two and three and four. <laughs> but that's how it should be, right? But I can tell, but listen, I, I have to say this, and I have to tell you two things, and we're going to pray. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you three or four things. I don't know. But you come to the place till we've passed the test. You do come to that place. Because I remember after a year and a half and after eight months of traveling around with Dr. Rodney Air Brown. I, re I remember we, we, are in, we are in, I guess it's just one last test. Because well, we, my wife and I had no money. We had no money. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a total faith adventure. Now, he would give us $100. But what's $100? It ain't nothing, $100 a week. You know, my wife and I, the first four years of our marriage, made $8,000 a year. I qualified for fruit stamps. But yet, we was going all over the country. Super, I don't know how it happened. Oh, he's... Do you understand who he is? Do you, do you understand when we begin to talk about God? Do you understand who we're talking about? Do you understand... Who he is. He's God. He has no beginning. He has no end. I mean as I said earlier. Just his. <sighs> created all the stars. Just his breath. Then he names each one. Do you understand who he is? Do you understand when El Shaddai comes in. Something happens. And there's a deposit that's left in the church. That people in the church and the church goes to a whole other level. Because the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. We don't go from sermon to sermon. We go from glory to glory. No, we go from glory to glory. No, we go from glory to glory. Because let me tell you something. The Buddhists have a message. Islam has a message. Christians have a message. Well, what sets us apart from all the religions of the world? God demonstrates by His power what we proclaim. I know our pastors are, didn't get ready here in November. They were telling me in the, before the service to go to Burma. Can we go to Burma? 
So there's people, there's people there in cults and there are in other religions. What's the religion there? Buddhism? They serve Buddha. But they've never seen a miracle. But there's going to be a display of God's glory. And I feel there's going to be a display of signs and wonders and miracles. And the multitudes are going to give their life to Jesus. Why? Because they're going to see a different message. They're going to see, listen, they're going to see a demonstration of what's being proclaimed by these two great men of God. And yet, why is it that we've come to the place the churches even still to this day don't even believe in miracles? You know what? There will always be churches that don't believe in miracles. But so be it. We do. Amen. We do. Amen? Amen. And so, I said to Dr. Rodney Brown, I said, where are we going next? This is in December. He said, I'm coming to Daytona. My wife and I, we had $35. I couldn't make it to Daytona. Even though my car, it's going to cost me, I knew at that time, a little four-cylinder 1988 Ford Temple has cost me $52 to get from Tampa to, or get from Louisville, Kentucky to Daytona Beach. I said to my wife, I said, well, when you come back through, I'll hook back up with you. And by that time, I'm thinking by that time it'd be another week, I can maybe get some money, you know, I'll go find something, sell it or whatever. I mean, that's how desperate I was. Laughed at by family members. They thought, you know, I don't know who cares. Who, 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 I don't even care. Who gives a rip what they think? I know what I'm after. And I remember I said to my wife, we're supposed to go. Because I remember I hear the Lord say, I had no thing. In the natural, that makes no sense. But the Lord said to me, I want you to go to Daytona Beach. I said to my, here's how desperate I was. I said to the same thing I said to Oral Roberts that time. When I'm sitting having lunch with Oral Roberts and he begins to talk. We're sitting at a Grady's restaurant in, by Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he begins to talk about how God used to use him during the days of the voice of healing days. And how he'd sit on that chair and they bring the invalids and they bring the blind. They bring the cripples up as he's sitting on that chair with that big old mic and he lays his hands on him. He said, and here's what he said. He said, I literally felt my whole arm would be on fire. I literally felt the fire of God go through my arm and come out of my hands and go into him and watch the miracles happen. And as he's, and we're sitting at the restaurant, we was in a horseshoe table. Uh, but my, my wife was here. I was here. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown was here. His wife was there. Or was there. Richard and Roberts and his wife. And as, as Oral Roberts began to talk about it, he, that's, listen to me. He reaches over and he grabs my pastor's hands and he says, let it be so with this young man. And all of a sudden, I promise you, my wife is that this happened. All of a sudden in that restaurant, in our section, the glory of God came. And we're all like, in a restaurant, Grady's restaurant. It's not even there no more. And I remember I'm sitting here like this and I remember I'm thinking, I'm not going to miss out. Got to be bold, Richard. I remember I just, without even thinking, I stuck my hand out. I said, Brother Oral, he's like this. Yes. I said, put your hand in my hand. And here's what he said to me. He goes, I don't have anything left. I could have I said, okay, Sorry. No. Desperate people are radical. Desperate people are radical. 
Listen, hungry people irritate satisfied people. People on fire irritate people who are not. People who love Jesus irritate people who do not. People who are soul winners irritate people that aren't. People that are radical in prayer ir irritate people who don't. And I said, I kept my homework. I said, Brother Oral, he opens, um, he opens, you know, raises back up and looks at me. He says, yes, son. I said, get some more. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Jesus, give me some more. <laughs> and you know what? And he reaches over and he takes my hand and he grabs his hand just like now. I feel it right now. He reaches my hand. And he grabs my hand and he says these same words. He said, Father, let it be so with this young man. And the moment he does that. <laughs> but this time my whole hand's burning like fire. Hallelujah. And even when I begin to talk about it, it begins to burn like fire. Why? Because there was an impartation. But how did it happen? It didn't happen because, well, you know, if it's the Lord's will, it's just going to happen. Whatever it will be, will be. No, 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 no. It happened because I went after it. You've got to come after him. That's why the Bible says, seek and you'll find. That's why the Bible says, draw nigh to him, and he's going to draw nigh to you. If you don't draw nigh, he won't draw nigh. I'll pray for you just wait a minute. When you come after him, then he will allow you to find him. And I'm going to say this and I've got to pray. And so I said to my wife, I said, the Lord, we have $35. The Lord told me to go. I, I said, I know it doesn't make sense, honey. I know, I know. I said, here's what I said. Here's how desperate I was. My wife and I both. Here's how hungry I was. I said, sweetie, we'll put the $35 in the car. We'll drive until we run out of gas. We'll probably make it maybe to Atlanta, a little further. I said, we'll drive until we run out of gas. And we'll just leave the car on the side of the road and we'll hitchhike. That's how hungry, that's how desperate. And then I went to my grandparents' house. And the $35 became like, uh, I, I remember because, you know, I'm being, I'm, I, 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 you know, I went, I said to my wife, I got to change the oil in the car. So back in them days, I can, I can change the oil, put a new filter on, put five quarts of oil in for $10. So now I got $25. And I remember I'm there, and my grandmother, I'm sitting in the grand, table, and my, my grandmother goes, Ricky, honey, she says, you're going to Florida? You got enough money? I said, oh, my mom, I'm fine. She says, well, honey, let me give you some money. I said, my mom, no, no, you don't have to. She says, but no, I want to give you some I said, my mom, really, I'm fine. You don't have to. She said, no, but honey, I want to give you some money. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> you, you really want to. So you know what she did? This is probably, people in Texas probably do this. She opens up the freezer. And as she's sticking her arm in there, she pulls out some money out of the freezer. I'm saying to think. And then she looks at me. She says, now, now, Ricky, honey, now don't tell your papa. This is where I keep my secret stash. <laughs> and she pulls out and gives us, gives, gives, I don't remember what, I, just, I don't remember how much she gave us. I don't remember, but I just remember it's enough to get some food and go to Florida. So we come down to Daytona. We come to Daytona. And we go up to Rodney's room and we're up there for a while. Then we go down to the beach. My wife and I were down at the beach and we're down in, and I'm sitting here looking at the ocean. And I have to admit, I, I started having a meltdown. I started having a pity party. 
I'm sitting and I'm looking at the ocean. I'm like, oh, God, what is my life? <laughs> Almost like with Brother Hagin, you know. <laughs> what is my life? I'm, and I, here's what I said. I said, Lord, I'm a dead preacher. I'm, I'm just dead. I have nothing. God, here I am. Here's what I said. I said, Lord, here I'm following the South African around. My wife, we don't even have a place to live. Don't even have a home. I'm driving a Ford Tempo. <laughs> I put the metal, I put the pedal to the metal and just set. <laughs> I'm not used to that. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, come here, come here. You come here. Yeah, you come. I'm gonna use you as an example. My wife's laying in the sun. It gets me mad because my wife's just laying there just hugging the sun. I'm like, Ugh. you should be, you should be like me. <laughs> Girl, face, face this way. So he's going to be me. As I'm sitting here having a pity party, all of a sudden somebody comes up to me and does like this. Now turn around. Here's what they do. The Lord told me to come and tell you that you passed the test. Turn around and walk off. And I'm sitting there going. Thank you. I didn't even know I was being tested. <laughs> it was the. <laughs> it was the. Uh, it's the very next place we went to. Did you wonder you saw in the video? My life changed. The very next place. Passed the test. I didn't know I was being tested. And ever since that day, everywhere we've gone, everywhere for the last almost 30 years, revival has broken. Everywhere we've gone, the fire of God falls. Everywhere we've gone, the wind of God blows. Everywhere we go, the glory of God comes in. Everywhere we go, people get saved. People get radically saved. People get delivered. People get healed. Everywhere we go. And the meetings, they just go and they go. And you know what? The longer they go, the stronger the anointing gets. That's why I made the statement last night. You're, listen, ministry is not your sermon. Ministry is what's in you. It's what's in here. And God wants to invade you with Himself. God wants to invade you. Understand something. God wants you to have an encounter with Him, but He won't come to you. You got to come to Him. You got to draw out of Him. You got to come after Him. But when you do, He will allow you to find Him. And you can look at every individual. Every individual, every from our mentor, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen, to, to Lester Sermerall, to, to Orr Roberts, to Kenneth, uh, to, to 
A.A. Allen to Jack Cole to Maria Woodworth Eder to William Brannan to Peter Cartwright to George Whitfield to Jonathan Edwards to John G. Lake to Amy Simple McPherson to Catherine Kuhlman. I can go on down the line. Every single these, every single one of these individuals, every single one, you hear their story. Every single one come to the place in their life they got so hungry and so desperate for God they came after him with everything in them and they refused to stop and it came to the place to where God allowed them to find him but it comes down but here's the problem most people aren't willing to pay the price because understand something the same anointing that heals is the same anointing that kills most people, most people get, especially the older they get, the more, the more comfortable they get because people like to be comfortable. People like their things and they like their material things. And I can tell you tonight, before God, I can tell you tonight that material things do not have a hold on me whatsoever. And I tell you, the last straw that was broken in my life when it came to material things, when it was, when it was 3 o'clock in the morning and I was at the Tampa General Hospital and my best friend is holding his 18-year-old daughter in his arms as she takes out her last breath. That does something to you. And that moment, just anything material, it just left me. There was nothing there. Nothing. I cannot tell you the times my wife and I we go we go places and we'll empty we empty the ministry accounts we empty the our personal accounts. It means it means nothing. The only thing, the only thing I'm after to this day. I'm 55 years old. I know that's a shock to you. And I, it, it dawned on me, he just here a couple years ago. And here I'm 55, and it, dawn, it dawned on me that I'm on the backside of life. That even if it's another 30 years, I'll, I'll be 85 in 30, 30 years. I mean, I'd have come like that. I'll be 85 years old. I know some people want to live to be 100. I, I, listen, not, I, I, not, I mean, whatever. I mean... I want to live until I have to wear a diaper. And until that, then I, then I ain't living no more. I'm, I'm done. I, when I start peeing my pants, I'm done. You know what I mean? I have a pastor friend. He's 86 years old, and he's peasy pants. I'm like, well, just go home. Well, that's a horrible life. No, I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not walking around with a diaper. I just who I just me. I I, just, I tell you, I just I, I just put it out there. I just that's who I am. But I'm not walking around. <laughs> You're picturing me with a diaper on your I am not <laughs> I'm not walking around with a diaper. <laughs> And I'm, I, I know it's funny, but I'm very serious. <laughs> but let's say it's 85, whatever. I know I have a friend of mine, he's almost 90, and he loves, well, that's great, that's wonderful. That's, that's great, go for it. But I'm just saying for me, I realize that 
In 30 years, I'm going to be 85 years old. Yeah, it's okay. But I realized I just got 30 years left. Do you know how fast that is? I, I've got 30 years. And I might live to be 90. I don't want to live Then I have 35 years. But my point is this. Time is, so, for me, time is so short right now. Time is so short. I don't have time to be about my business. I don't have time to focus on me. I've got to be about the Father's business. I have to be, I have to be building His kingdom. I have to be building His kingdom. No, no, I have to be building His, his kingdom. I, another, I got another 30 years to do it. Do you know how fast it's going to go? I mean, my daughter's already 25. It's like, what? I was just holding her. And I, just, I was just, it seems like just yesterday I was holding this little thing in my hands in Baptist East Hospital, Louisville, Kentucky. 25 years ago, I had her in my hands in the, in the, in the, in the delivery room. Holding her up to the Father and saying, Father, I thank you for this gift that you've given me. I'll, I'll now give her back to you. And I promise you that all the days of her life she'll serve you. She'll never know the way of the world. She'll only know your ways. She'll never, she'll never know sickness and disease. She'll only know redemption. She'll never know poverty. She'll only know blessing. Because the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go when they're old. They're not part. I mean, even when they're, that means even when they're old, they'll still be serving the Lord. But you know what? I, I'll, quote, I'll quote that verse, you know, train up a child in the way they should go when they're, they're not depart. But you know what? I'll ask people in the churches, how many can quote the next verse? Nobody can quote the next verse. You know what the next verse says? The next verse says, the rich shall rule over the poor, and he who borrows is a servant to the lender. So what's the Bible saying? We train, tra train your children to be rich, not poor. Oh, come on, church. Think about it. Thirty years. I'm about my I'm, I'm about my father's business. I got I got to advance his kingdom. Amen. But you know what? On the other side of the, of the coin, there's a whole lot that can happen in thirty years. There's a whole lot. My my my. In thirty years, listen. I, I I plan on in the next thirty years. I plan on millions of people getting into the kingdom of God as a result of me. Millions. No no millions. We're almost there already with a million. Matter of fact, it's over that when, you, when, I, when I include the ministries that we support. When I include the ministries that we support, we're up to about 22 million that we've gotten into the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. No, no, don't be sorry. My goodness. Because it's all about His kingdom. Understand something. It's, it's all about His kingdom. It's all about His kingdom. Do you understand? It's all about Him. It's, it, listen to me. It's not about you. It's about Him. Hallelujah. And it was the very next place we went to. My whole life changed. <laughs> 